Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and this is Black Writer's Space. I am your host, Ms. Mocha, and I have my two co-hosts with me tonight, Mario and DeAndrea. Hi, guys. Good evening, everybody. Mario's back. Uh Uh-oh. He left Uh us last night, but he back, he back, he back. I ain't going to lie. You got got vacation points for last night. You you used them. Don't worry about it. It's all right. (laughs) Uh, we have a treat tonight, and um, I really, I know that he's going to bring a different aspect of basically from the subject we had last night and last Monday, so um, we're going to bring him on. It's uh, K.L. Belvin and his wife, Tiffany Belvin, and they uh, write articles on relationships. He has a book called um, From Gigolo to Jesus. So we we really want to welcome him tonight and see what he has to bring to the table on this awesome uh, topic that seems to be really um, bringing a lot of attention. So let me bring him on. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm blessed. How's everything? How are you all doing this evening? Awesome, awesome, awesome. We great, great. Good, good, good. Okay, so uh, tell us about K.L. Belvin. Who is that? <laughs> uh, who is that? All right. Um, well, K.L. is a man that is ever-evolving simply because I'm always trying to figure out ways to, to get better at being the man that I am trying to be. So um, I'm a man with a past like most men. I'm a man of God, a man that loves his wife, a man that loves to teach. So I'm an educator. I'm a publisher, author, poet. Um, I wear many hats, so it depends on what time of the day. It depends on who I am. Okay. We definitely um, we I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. We had a conversation. We <laughs> yes, had a conversation. We yes, we did. Uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Was it after the? I think it was after the first Monday show. So I had a lot of questions, and I wanted answers, and we talked at like 2 in the morning. But um, it, it basically gave me a whole different view on the whole topic at hand. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your book, um, Gigolo to Jesus. So what and you, what sparked that book? What, what, uh, what makes that book like, I need to get this, especially when it comes to this topic? <laughs> uh, well, Gigolo to Jesus is uh, a memoir of a man who's an admitted whore. And so right there um, is one of the things that I lay out to folks is that I put all my dirt out there. So I put it right up front that I was a misogynistic whore. And if people don't know what misogynistic means, it means a man that hates women. 
And you can't lie and treat women the way I treated them and then say that you love them. You don't. And most men who are out living the way that I was don't get it that you're really hurting women more than you're doing anything else. So the first thing Gigolo to Jesus does is address where that man is born, how that man is created, how sex, pornography, and other things that um, we as men claim to love actually infects us in a way that we actually become opposite of everything that would actually make things better. So I was the epitome of that. I was a pure gigolo in terms of I was going to say and do whatever I could to have sex with with as many women as possible. Um, The book also will open up the eyes to women in terms of what role did they play or are playing in the lives of of, of men who are that way. Um, They may be with some whores right now, know that they are, or with some whores and don't know that they are. So either way, the book is going to open up um, their eyes to what role they play uh, with men of, of that ilk. It also is a book about love and how the love of my wife actually helped fuel the writing of the book. Since I found refound God, it was her who said, you really need to put this out here. You really need to let the world see. And the thing that separates Jigolo Jesus than, than every other book out there, and I'm not being vain, it's just it's my story, and I believe that my story is one that's going to help because I felt if I could just leave my dirt out there for folks to go through, then maybe in sifting through my dirt, they can find their own and bring it to the table and ask for help, ask for forgiveness, or ask for understanding. But either way, I figure the only way I'm going to help anyone is if I put my story out there and allow it to be sifted through. And so that's what makes the book important. Okay, okay. So, oh, I got a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> I do. Tell me, um, since you say you were you you were trying to have as many women as possible and to have sex with them, so tell me, did you struggle with porn? Oh, porn was the the antithesis. Porn was the opener. Porn opened up the door at nine, ten years old to how I wanted to be with women. Is that when I saw what went on in a pornography film, it it just touched parts of my body at a a young age, my mind, excuse me, that made me want to explore parts of my body and then explore those with women. So now the the key was can I find women to let me do to them what I see in these movies? And all I knew about the physical interaction with women was what I saw in film. So once you start to get with women and you start to emulate what you see in the movies and you then start to get some of the similar reactions, you're not worried about the mental damage. You're not worried about the emotional damage. All you care is the physical input and output. And so if I do it and I get the excitement, hear the excitement, feel the excitement, I'm good. I don't care what what mental damage I'm doing. And so now once I get to 15, 16 years old and this has become your mantra, this has become your life, well, now it's about, well, what peaks can I get to? Like anything else, if if you have a mantra for good, you're going to see, well, what what good things can I do and how far can I take this? Well, when your mantra is sex, how many can I get? How how often can I do it? Well, I came across a 40-year-old woman who got with me when I was 16 years old, and she opened up the doors to whole new techniques, whole new understandings of the act itself. So instead of actually saying, young man, you need to keep yourself together and, and stop this, mm-hmm. instead of nurturing me to be a better young man, she actually armed me with information I should have never had at 16. So what she really did, was destroy other young ladies in, in the wake of what, what she laid out because now at 16, 
A man's body, between 16 and 21, a man's body is at his sexual, physical peak. So now you armed me with information that made me able to get around women my age defenses. So you left younger girls defenseless to an animal like me. <laughs> and now with that type of information, armed with that type of information, oh, I was horrible. And I was going to try to do it as often as, 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 as I could, and, and I did. Wow. I, I, I agree with that. I honestly agree with that, and and to to show some truth in what he's saying. Oh yeah, by the way, how you doing tonight? I'm hey, already. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, to to add some truth to it, and Tiffany knows I'm I'm really a private person when it comes to certain things. But when I when when I started uh, having sex, my first partner ever, she was 25. Okay. And and I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you do the math. And, there you go. That's and okay. like you said, you know, I I actually was like, okay, what I'm doing. And then she was talking to me, talking to me, talking to me, talking to me. And like you said, watch out, America. Here you come. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, because now, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. No, no. I was saying the, the actually the rape that occurred did not occur to you or myself physically. It occurred mentally. So in the, in, the, in the raping of a young man's mind mentally, you strip him of his naivety of being young. He is now walking around with a loaded weapon between his legs with the mm-hmm. knowledge to use it. So now every person who's defenseless against that weapon, because think about it, men are taught that if you can get to a woman emotionally between her legs, you have her. Men are taught that if you can get with a woman who's been a virgin and make her believe that you feel a certain way for her because of what you're doing between her legs, you have her forever. So now you've got a 16-year-old boy who's out here trying to dominate and steal someone's virginity or virtuosity about themselves. Um, that is the worst thing that person could be in the eyes of God, but you don't know it because you have men around you celebrating you. You have society saying that you're cool. You have pornography movies saying you could be just like this. And once you start to see it happen, how is anybody going to sell you on anything that's remotely spiritual, remotely godly, remotely casual in terms of you getting to know somebody? Why do I get to have to get to know you when I want it, you want it, why not? Hmm. Wow. wow. Yeah, that, I mean, it's real. <laughs> like you said, like. Like and that's and that's what we talk about when you talk about like the double standard. Like for instance, for example, like when a woman has multiple guys, oh she's she's a dog. She's I know you know I ain't gonna curse on the show. She's the B. She's a a, a mm-hmm. H. You know what I mean? But when when a man has multiple, oh he's a player. He's a pimp. Oh that's the man right there. Oh that's the man right there. But at the end of the day, you know it's still not a good look at. Overall, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, bro. And 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 society is what kept the weapon in between our legs. Keep keep dominating these women. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. If I don't do this, then I'm a punk, or I'm a, I'm be treated like an outcast. So I got, you know, it's a lot of pit that comes along. And women with have a lot to hold the weight too. So. Women have to hold the weight too because. When I was out doing what I was doing, there's a lot of women that said, "Oh, you're a player." So then, why are you with me? Why are you giving it to me? How come girlfriends of other women who knew I was horrible still gave it to me? Because anytime you attach yourself to sex in this society, or just in, in life, period, and, and the Bible speaks about it often, when you connect it to yourself sexually, the thrill will override common thinking. 
Do you yep. know how many people say, oh, I should not be doing this? Do it anyway. You know how many men said, I'm married, I should go home, do it anyway. You know how many wives says, well, you know, the way he lays it down, I'm not worried about it as long as my husband don't find out. Anytime you get connected to anything sexually and it charges you up, you will start to ha- stop having cognitive thought to, to, to the correct. So the first thing you do is try to make excuses for why you do what you do. Excuses on how it feels. And you put all these things out in play when at the end of the day you're lying to yourself simply to get what it is that you want, the height of selfishness. That's why the Lord said don't even do it. And folks don't know how to use the scriptures to actually defend themselves when he says don't do it. He didn't say what's going to happen afterwards. Actually, it's written there, but once you do it, you've got a whole other fight on your hand. Because right. now you're not only trying to fight what society is saying it feels good, you're fighting your own body. Because let's be real, we all enjoy sex. There's nothing wrong. There's never been anything wrong with sex. Just you shouldn't have it with multiple partners. That's why the Lord said wait till you're married. Another thing, too, is that if, and I, and I say this often when I speak to kids, if you look at the way the Lord sets it up, you can actually never get bored with sex. Now, these are some things that need to be talked about in church and why some churches may not want you to come in here and speak, is that if you wait until you marry, it takes you 70, 80 years to get bored with each other sexually because you wouldn't have nothing to refer it to. There is no such thing as bad sex if neither one of you had it. You start off at doing it two or three minutes, and it takes you 30, 20, 30 years to get to a couple of hours. Why would you want to invite anybody into that? You wouldn't get bored with each other. But when a woman has a man to compare it to, oh, my old boyfriend used to lay it down like this, so my new husband or my new boyfriend can't, now he's suffering to something that he can't even measure up to. And he shouldn't have to. And she shouldn't have to. But if the two are a blank slate, Lord, the things that you could put on that slate together, you never get bored. But unfortunately, it's not like that. So how do we change it? We have to prevent our, our teenagers from even getting into it. So my book hopefully speaks to those adults to make understanding to where they are with themselves and then hopefully teach some of that to their children to why you even want to wait. Like the one thing I hate about that whole life of mine, I don't care about the number of women. I put it in the book. It's over 300. There's probably more than that. The biggest thing I hate about my whole sexual past is that now every one of those women know what my wife is getting, and that's what I have a problem with Mm. because they shouldn't even have that information because if I was smarter, then she'd be the only one sitting down going, yeah, I know. So, yeah, they nod, and they know one aspect of it, but they don't get the love part of it. So, unfortunately, ladies, I'm sorry. But that's my own fault for putting myself in that situation. Wow. But what they – well, it's, it's lessons learned we all got to go through. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Like, Without question. You know, because hearing you see, brother, it's like you – this book is going to sh- gonna tell and going to show what we did when we were younger is not right. Because these young, these young men out here, they need this book. They need you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't well, care if you're in New York, D.C., <laughs> L.A., Chicago, Cleveland, et cetera. They, they, gonna, they, gonna, they need you, bro. You know this, what I mean? is why I teach. this is why I teach. Young men need to hear it. But older brothers got to come home first. Older right. brothers have to come home and repair home. So, and, and I'll give you an example. And, again, it's in the book. I reached out to my father after I found God. I reached out to my father and said, I forgive you for everything that you did. I, I don't know you, never met you. I guess you had your reasons why you left, heard you had multiple children. Listen, whatever it is, fine, I'm cool with it. I forgive you because that's what the Lord asked me to do, and I'm not holding no grudges. Two years after getting saved, my father and I laid eyes on each other for the first time in 39 years, listening to him tell his story. 
All I could do was sit there with my mouth open because all he was doing was running down my own story. Now, I'm going to show you how God works. My father has six children. I have six children. My father's married to a woman nine years his junior. My wife is nine years my junior. My father got married in August. I got married in August. My father's a night owl like I am. His, his wife doesn't like the cold and goes to bed early, so does my wife. And so here we are, mirrors of each other, had never met each other. So the blood that was in him is the blood that's in me. Here he had thought my mom had poisoned the waters, so he never reached back out. And here I'm running around wild, and eventually when we find each other, we're the same individual. Two years after meeting him, I'm sitting across from a son that I didn't even know I had because the mother never told him. And so here he was, 26 years old, finding his dad for the first time. And why did he reach out? Because he said he saw the way people were responding to me on Facebook, so he felt comfortable reaching out and asking um, for the connection, and I had no problem with it. And so if brothers would come home and fix home, and all because I came home to fix things with my girlfriend, now wife, it led me to fix things with my father, which then prepared me to be there for my son. And so if men would understand that the waters are not as bad as they think, but do you have to own up? Yes. Are you going to have to face some heat? Yes. Is every woman that you've been with going to forgive you? Of course not. But if you truly believe in God and if you really believe in redemption, then that's the only thing that you got to worry about, and that's what you stand on. And if that one woman is in your corner, well, that's all you're supposed to have anyway. And if you got to do it alone, well, you're still not alone. you got God saying, I got you no matter what they say about you. But we have to teach men that because it's never been taught to them. Because at what point along the timeline have we taught young men how to humble themselves when we got older brothers who won't do it? Standing in the church with paths that they haven't fixed. How can you love God and not love your brother? Bottom line. That That's true. That's true. I respect everything you just said, everything you just said. But the key thing to that is that they want they have to want to humble themselves and they have to want to stop. Gotcha. You're right. That's gotcha. the that's initial step. I heard something. I heard something that my wife wrote down. It'll be in her book. But it said when when you're a child, you're impulsive. But once you become an adult, you learn to control those impulses. There it is, right there. A child is impulsive. A child can't wait to have the cookie. A child doesn't go to bed when they're told to go to bed. When you call yourself an adult, there's some moniker of control that has to be in place. And I tell folks when I talk to women wherever I'm at, if that man shows up and he's not connected to something greater than himself, God, his children, his job, something that's greater than him, and he's still talking about, yo, he changed it around, he's different, walk away. Because if he doesn't have a foundation that's greater than him that comes with required rules, he can't fix right. himself. He can't. Now, for me, it's God, but it doesn't have to be God for somebody else. I wish that it was, but if it's your job, if your job requires you now to walk a, a new way of life, well, you know what? That's foundational. If now dealing with your children or wanting to be the father to your children, that's foundational. That's something that's going to have its own set of rules that have nothing to do with the man because to be the father to his children, he has to be something different. To be the new person on his job, he's got to be something different. To be the new creature in God, he's got to be something different. So what that man has to do when he shows up, is that he has to be able to show that woman he is a different individual so she can then reconnect her trust to him, which then will allow them to build on anything new. But if it's not, and it's the same man telling you he's something different, walk away because he's not changed. He's just got better at talking. Hmm. Okay, we have a caller uh, that uh, has a question or comment. Sure. Hello? Hello? Hey. Hello? How you doing? Yes. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, I was just listening to the show, <laughs> and and uh, I was just wanted, I wanted to ask. Um, uh, I also had a lot of women slept with over uh, over three hundred, well over three hundred, over four hundred. But the thing mm-hmm. is, I consider uh, you saying um, just talking about it. I, I consider you ever relate that with uh, addiction because I think that uh, once once I got addicted to sex, I lost addiction is like the loss of uh, sense of perspective and proportion, and I couldn't control none of it. You know, I I, I went through women. The thing was, it, it, it wasn't just about the between what was between my leg, the power in between my leg. It was the power in my mind. Once I learned from the max, uh, you know, I learned from the guys in the street that once once I figured out how to get women, how I control them. It wasn't with the sex because if they're having sex with people, and there's always somebody better. So my thing was controlling with what with, with my mind. My mind was... I can control women, make women spend money, do anything I want them to do. All I did was get with them, uh, I, and I just I'm didn't care you. about them. The two, the two I are, just the didn't two care about them. The two are connected. Uh-huh. I'm with you, bro. And actually, it is a form of addiction. There's, anytime you, you selfishly do anything, when the gain is detrimental to yourself and the person that you're taking it from, um, that, that's mm-hmm. a form of addiction. And getting the help, it still doesn't change. An addict has to reach his bottom. My bottom was, was a hotel waiting on, on a young lady I should have never been with. Oh, there's definitely a form of addiction, but it's actually the ego is the addiction. You're feeding your ego to such a degree that you have shaped it around the idea that I can control somebody's mind. You're not controlling their mind because you don't have any actual physical control. It's that you offer them in a suggestive way that being with you, allowing you to be the way that you are to them, is actually going to be better than them taking it doing it for themselves. So what you did is just what the devil does to all of us. You made suggestions. And in your suggestions, because you then placed that suggestion through physical action between her legs, the two now connected to where she was like, well, hell, I'll listen to him and do what he want me to do because look at the way he makes me feel. Hence the max, get over simply by saying, ooh, look at what I can give you. Look at how I bed you down and then look at the money that I put in your pocket. But, yeah, well, none, uh, we just none did of that it. I just did it. None we just None did it different. We did it backwards. Yeah, now we actually did it backwards. We didn't do it that way. All you do is get with a person. You go into them and you get them and in the beginning, uh, show them what you can do and how good you're gonna make them feel. But after that, you take everything away. And then I, I noticed that once it I once change. I draw once I yeah once I draw away from them, then they run behind me. You know, eventually they'll fall on their face and they'll get up but and see still, how eventually how far I am. But if I have three dollar mm-hmm. bills and I circle them in a, in a different way, it's still three dollar bills. What you do is make them yeah. want. What you have is still suggestion. It doesn't change. The idea that the devil is going to create, and when you're doing his work, you're going to create whatever you believe this person needs, and the weaker the person, the easier the suggestion is. Hence, the real work is when that working woman says, well, why do I need that from you? Case in point, when someone says to the devil, why do I need what you're suggesting when God has offered me this? So it all comes back to suggestion. Whatever the evil is, it still comes down to... What you asking somebody to believe in? But do you believe it should be true? This is this is what I, I get from it because I it was a show yesterday I actually spoke on. And I was trying to say this. The thing is that I, what, what I did, what me and my buddies did, as being max and getting the money, we would, we look for people who love out of order. The ones who didn't love God first, then they're self they're self they're, they're self second. And the thing is, I, we look for the ones with the spiritual void. Then I get in there and I make real good. And once they fall in love with me, they put me in that yes. box where God's supposed to be. And then yes. I can control them. And all I yes. do is run but from them and they run behind me. Weak mind. Yeah, so it's yeah, still the I mean, same thing. It's still a suggestion. All you did was say, instead of God, what does the devil mm-hmm. say? Instead of God, me. No matter how mm-hmm. you shape it, no matter how I dress crap up, it's still crap. No matter what mm-hmm. box I put it in, it's still a box of crap. 
The idea is that whether you're a Mac, whether you're a, a, a thief inside a, 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 a boardroom, whatever it is that you do that serves the devil, it still comes down to I'm going to offer to somebody what I want them to believe is more important than what God is actually offering them in another realm. And it goes on in church. How do you think some of the pastors are some of the greatest sinners? Not all, because once the flock stares at you and goes, wow, he has an anointing, not understanding what the term anointing even means, well, it opens up the door for a person to do whatever. How did a group of people follow Jim Jones to the Bahamas and then kill themselves? Because it's about what you make someone believe. It doesn't make a difference how you drag it up, whether it's a Mac or a dope pusher. See, a dope pusher actually has a substance that alters your body physically. So there is a little defense where you can say, well, I didn't know when I put this this in my system it was going to change me physically. But a, a dude who sells sex, a dude who gambles, it's based on what he believes. And once he, that belief is strong enough, you believe you can move mountains if you believe it. But Jesus said you could. But if somebody tells you that you can move mountains through them, and then they give you $100,000 just because you cute, or you win $100,000 just because you push some chips forward, you're going to feel you can do it every time you step out your house. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't change. You're just selling whatever was working for you or whatever you mastered in you. The key thing okay, is, but turn it around. Hey, if you apply that okay, to something listen, super positive, look what you can be. Sure. Can I ask you a question? Let me ask you a question. Sure. So do you feel, so now, so uh, I understand that I, I got, I, I, you know, I listened to you and I found this out on my own, getting, getting to, getting into Christ and everything. But check this out. Do you? Do you I, I think back now. I, I know some of the women. Do you think it's all your fault that? No, that, I, just uh, said I mean, that. because I mean, I just said that the woman huh? has to play. Everybody has to play a role in what they That's allow okay. to happen to them. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and I say this too when I go out and I speak, we stand on that line alone. God doesn't say, oh, bring that man that led you to prostitution with you. I'm going to judge you both at the same time. No. We are judged on our own actions. We are on that line by ourselves. You don't even go with your family, even if y'all died together. You are judged on your actions alone, meaning that you had a choice. No matter what the situation was, you had a choice. No matter how bad the situation was, you had a choice. So what did you say your body was? Sorry? What did you say? You say you. Uh, I think I didn't. I heard you say uh, when you hit bottom, like an addiction. You always got to hit bottom. bottom. My, my bottom. My, my bottom was. I was in South Jersey, South New Jersey, and my mm-hmm. wife, now girl, my girlfriend, now wife, was in New York. I had reached mm-hmm. out to a young lady that I had already got caught cheating with before, because I knew I was in town. Actually, I had plans on seeing her all the way, and so I'm at the hotel waiting on her. She called me and said she was on her way, and. I'm like, cool, got the condoms on the nightstand and everything, waiting. She called me back 10 minutes after she said she was on the way. She said, you know what, I'm going to take something from my stomach. My stomach's not really bo- my stomach's bothering me, not really feeling too good right now. I'm going to call you right back. Fine, 20 minutes passed. She said, you know what, my stomach's getting worse. I don't really know what's going on. I call you back. She said, now I'm getting frustrated because I don't care that her stomach's bothering Okay, I'm not getting what I want. So then when she called me an hour later, I'm upset, and I'm going through the whole mental game of how you going to leave me do this, all this. She's like, look, I don't know what's wrong. I'm sorry I can't come see you tonight. So I'm sitting there in my frustration. Of course I'm angry. And, of course, I feel like I laid out this money. I'm, ready to, I'm like a spoiled child bouncing up and down because I couldn't have what I wanted. So I'm sitting there, and I'm angry. And in my anger, and that's the one thing about anger, is that when you're angry, you lose basic um, control. Not complete control, but you lose basic control. That's why they tell you don't argue with your loved one in anger because you may say something that, that you don't want to say or do something you don't want to do, and we tell our kids all the time, 
So I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, and I'm basically cursing. I'm calling every name that I could think of that I have imagined as a curse word. And somehow the teleministry was on the television. Now, I don't know too many players and too many cats that's trying to get between nobody's legs that got teleministry on inside the hotel. So in my anger, I'm sitting there. Now, I've always known of God. I've known about God. I had never actually committed to being a man of God. But I knew about him and respected who he was as long as he stayed in his place and I stayed in mine. I thought I was pretty good. But I'm sitting there listening to these teleministry folks talking. First pastor comes on. I'm like, whatever. And I'm listening. Second one comes on. Third one. I sat there listening to four different ministers on television. All four spoke to a different aspect of my life. Now, I've always been an emotional dude. I've always been a writer. I've always been a guy who has that, that stir of emotion. And most max, most players, most giggles, most guys who are out here doing whatever, and women too, have a side of them that's emotional because they use that when other folks can't see it because that's part of the anchor. Look at how passionate I am about what I do. But a lot of times it's for our own self-serving practices. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I said, you know, I'm shaking my head because I got the master's degree. I got the nice Jeep. I got, the, I got money. I got the chick on the side. I got the woman at home. Why do I have all these things? But I still don't feel complete. I don't still feel whole. Why, why do I feel like this void is there? And so at that point, in listening to what those ministers had said about me, I actually just took the time, took a minute to reflect, and I honestly got emotional with myself that I felt with everything that I had, I still was a failure, that I had nothing, that all this that I had accomplished was what? A facade, because I was still unhappy inside because I had never gotten to that point of comfort with myself. So I got on my knees that night, and I asked the Lord, okay, I gave in. I humbled myself. I said, okay, Lord, what is it? What is it that you want? Because this, this ain't working for me. So what is it? What is it you're trying to tell me? But the thing was, I had a brother who stayed in my ear that I taught with, that came up with. He was my educational mentor. He wound up becoming a spiritual mentor and accountability brother because he never stopped reminding me that he was a Christian. He never stopped reminding me that. He, he always told me, Brother B, there's always so much greater you can do, man. When you get past the commonness and common that, he said, yo, if you start looking for greater things, and I always hit him with the same foolishness. Come on, man, I ain't got time for that church stuff. I've been hearing that church stuff my whole life from my grandmother, man. I'm going to do me. But at that moment, those seeds that he had planted, those seeds that my grandmother had planted, those seeds that my mother had planted, now my tears started to rain on those seeds, and those seeds started to pop open. So now I was reminded that there was a brother who said there was a, my grandmother. So the first person I called was my grandmother. And I said, listen, I think I just heard the Lord's voice. What am I supposed to do now? She said, do whatever he told you to do. And hung up the phone. I said, that conversation lasted all 20 seconds. I got one more question to ask you. Can sure. I ask you one more question? Because I, I, I'm, I'm actually working on a star drama. I'm going to keep listening, but I can't talk. But the thing is, <laughs> when I'm listening to, your story sounds just like mine. It's pretty, pretty similar. But if I'm listening to the word uh, on, on the TV, television, uh, ministry, and the chap changed my life. But the thing is, I found out we're dealing with a lot of guys who are just like me and we're changing our lives is that anytime you use anything, drugs, sex, anything to uh, overpower your feelings, for, uh, uh, of yourself and how you view the world different. That's what we all did. We used sex and some of us used drugs. Uh -huh. And we found out that it, it actually stopped you from growing emotionally. Amen. And I found out, Amen. man, a bunch of you, I keep saying you was like a little kid. So it's a bunch of grown men I get with on a regular basis, and we are just, uh, you know, we're, we're emotionally, we're still like little kids. Whenever our addictions took our life over, the drugs and the sex, took us over, we used that instead of God. It became like our crutch. When I felt sad, Amen. I didn't go to God. I went to sex. You know, when I, I, when I felt angry, I didn't go to God. 
uh, out with the sex when I felt indifferent. I couldn't even, I didn't know what to do. My, my situation baffled me. I didn't go to God. I went to sex or, or, or you know, or, or high. So I found out it stopped me from growing emotionally. So now mm-hmm. I, I, get, I get now, that's one thing I, I really didn't hear you say, but um, the thing is, what I'm trying to say is that um, basically um, me running around doing what I was doing, hell, my bottom was uh, I got 15 kids, and, and, I, and the, pain, the pain outweighed the pleasure. Pretty much in every addiction, when you get to the point where, uh, uh, when the pain I wear the pleasure, then you you get a, a jolt of reality. I believe God give me a jolt of reality and seeing that man, I'm messing up. I got 15 babies now. You know, the thing is, I take care of all of them. It took Christ, me praying to sh- ask God to show me how my kids would be a blessing in my life. May a blessing to my life now. But the thing is, is that that was my bottom. Uh, 15 babies, man, uh, and going to child support court, it was driving me crazy. But you know, it, it all worked itself out. God bless me with a good job. I don't have the education, but I have a good job. Uh, Anyway, I, uh, I I I I understand what you're saying. I, I man, I love it. I love the show now. I listen to it every day. But uh, before, before uh, you leave, brother, let me let me let me leave you with something before you go. Is that mm-hmm. when I didn't say the center, when you make God the center, you don't always have to say it because that should be what mm-hmm. we're living for every day. And so a lot of times, what turns some people off when talking to them is you don't have to always beat them in the head that they don't know God by you saying that you mm-hmm. do. Your actions will lead them to God because one of the things that they're going to ask you is what grounds you to be able to get through when they're still fighting to get through, and then you can offer the God in you to them because it's one of the things that I use in a classroom. I can I can better show you than I can tell you because sometimes in telling you don't know if you're hitting the wrong nerve in someone, which then pushes them away compared to letting them then come to you by asking a question. When God is the center of everything, you don't have to say it to anyone. You just explain to them how you got to where you are. When they come and ask, then you can offer God to them. I just wanted to say that because I heard you say you didn't hear me. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah that's what I do. That's what I do. I, I go around because I've been through a lot of things uh, with the drugs, and I use drugs mm-hmm. and sex. So, and I go and I speak in front of people. You know, I'm not well-spoken and I haven't been taught anything, but I just let them know where I've been. And where I'm at today, and, and pretty much they asked me, you know, so do you pray? And a lot of guys, I just did it uh, the other day, last Saturday, in front of 35 guys, man, who were lost, man. And I let them know sometimes I still don't know what to do, but I just let them know. I don't, I don't just throw God in their face, and sometimes I swear, you know, because they, they don't know God, you know what I'm saying? But the thing mm-hmm. is, I try to help them get to the point where they get – and they can see God. But so some, a lot of them come to me and, and they're like, man, you're a blessing. I let them know, man, it's a blessing, you know. Um, uh, you know, even the church, man, sometimes I, I talk about that part. I, I still, there's 25 different women in my church right now from, from, from 14 years old to, to 50 at that, that's, you know, just offering me sex. You know, sometimes it gets hard, but I, I just keep praying. I mean, it's hard. I mean, sure uh, you know. On my job, I'm not perfect. I, 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 you know, I slip up a few times, man. And the thing is that I know God is in me because sometimes I get by myself and I just cry and I just pray, you know. Um, but um, man, I love the show. I, 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 I love what you've done. Right, writing the book. Thank Somebody you, told me how to write a book. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna keep listening. But I have to, I have to start the truck. I'm gonna be too loud. But I'm gonna keep listening. Thanks, thanks for for answering my questions. Thank, Thank you so buddy. much. Thank you so thanks much. For for calling. Calling. We need to go to break right now, and we'll be right back. Just... 
When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind I hear my conscience call telling me I need a girl who's as sweet as a dove. For the first time in my life, I see I need love. There I was, giggling about the games that I had played with many hearts and I'm not saying no names. Then the thought occurred, tear drops made my eyes burn. Cause I said to myself, look what you've done to her. I can feel it inside, I can't explain how it feels. All I know is that I'm never dishing of the raw deal, playing make-believe, pretending that I'm true. Holding in my laugh as I say that I love you Saying I'm more, kissing you on the ear Whispering I love you and I'll always be here Although I often reminisce, I can't believe that I found A desire for true love floating around Inside my soul, because my soul is cold One half of me deserves to be this way till I'm old But the other half needs affection and joy And the warmth that is created by a girl and a boy I need love back. And if you just tuned in with us, um, I, our guest is K.L. Belvin, and we are discussing um, the life, his life, his experiences, and his book, Gigolo to Jesus. I have my two calls with me, Mario and DeAndrea. Yes, it's, it's been really good, and I've listened to every everything that you have said. And one question that I have is, um, I know you, you and your wife counsel or you, you guys speak together, but what advice would you give or what can you say to women who are, um, you know, Christian women who find themselves in this dating game, in this situation where they may not have met the man who's humbled himself to himself, his emotions, or to Jesus, and, you know, they kind of don't know, you know where to go or what to do. I would, I would, I would, I would go back to one of their favorite scriptures or favorite books in the Bible, Ruth. Um, a lot of women identify Ruth simply because Boaz and Ruth get together, and so you you hear a lot of, of women in the faith say, "I'm waiting on my Boaz," and I respect that. But I think what they have to do is go back and look at the whole book of what is actually being said in Ruth's life to give their own some type of structure. One of the things that we're supposed to do as Christian men and women is supposed to use the scriptures as a way to advise us on how to live, but also to give us context to things that we're going through so we know how to be able to stay focused. And what I mean by that is let's look at Ruth. Ruth had just lost a husband, two brothers-in-law, and a father-in-law. So it starts off with death. Well, there's no more emotional transition than moving from your home, losing your husband, losing the men in your family. And so the two sisters said, we're going back home. This is not going to work. We're going back to Moab. Well, Moabitan women were nasty women, were women that were considered um, the low end of, of the, 
the women's pool. So Ruth says, well, Naomi, I'm going to follow you. And, you know, we're here. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you die, I die. The whole thing. But it was, I see something in Naomi that's better than being by myself or going back home. Now, what the Lord, they both couldn't see is that they needed each other to travel back the distance. This is why those maps are in our Bibles. And so if we look at those maps, nothing in the Bible is wasted. If you look at those maps, imagine an older woman having to walk that walk and that night by herself. So the two of them needed each other to walk. What do two people do when they're on the road together? Just to get through the night, they talk. Yeah. So in that in that learning from each other, they were strengthening each other. Because remember, Naomi was as bitter as anybody could be. She just lost her husband and felt at her age there was nothing else for her. So the two needed each other. So when they get back to Israel, now they got to eat. So Ruth goes out to work. And Ruth goes out to glean those fields knowing that Israel men leave food for them if you come get it at night. It was through her efforts, her work, that Boaz noticed her. That Boaz said, look at that Moabitan woman doing her thing. Told the other dudes, don't mess with her. And then you have Naomi teaching her what an Israel, what a woman of God does. So when she lays at his feet, it was the signal to him, I know what a woman is supposed to be. So my point to any woman in, 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 in the spirit is just keep doing the work, God's work. Get yourself next to a mentor who knows God, and y'all keep growing together. The Lord will take care of the rest. If it was meant for you, because there's no way he wants to see you alone, because if we really act as if he's the father that we say he is, what father wants to see his daughter alone if it was really meant for her to be in a marriage? But we can't force his hand. We can't make him give us what we want. We just have to keep doing the godly work that he requires, and then he will bring to us. But when the opportunity comes for us to be Christian women, be it. Be Christian men, be it. That's what the whole laying at his feet was about. If you do what you do as a Christian woman, he will respond as a Christian man. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't get to that point until he sees you doing the things that a Christian woman was supposed to do. Think about this. If Ruth is doing the things that a Moabitan woman does, being a whore, being whatever, and lays at his feet, how are he going to react? What are you doing? Get away from me. So because she was doing the Christian things long before they, he got to her feet, he already accepted it. So I would say to any woman, just do the things God asks you to do. While you don't have that man in your life right now, work on the other aspects. Work on school. Work on your job. Get your kids straight. Do whatever you need to do to have you grow in the body of Christ, and whatever that is. And then let God take care of the rest. You pray for that man, don't say nothing else. Don't, don't delete your prayers or dilute your prayers. Because if everything happens in God's time, how are we going to make a man show up anyway? How am I going to make my wife show up? My wife showed up after I divorced, after I separated from my first wife. My current wife showed up. We had met in college when I was married, and I had tried to get with her, and she was like, no. are you?" And we went out on one date, and then she asked, are you married? Yes. She said, okay, this is over. What do you mean? And I tried to go through the, I'm having problems, I'm unhappy, come on, die, you cute. She wasn't having none of that. She said, I don't bother with no married man. But then I said to her, and I told my friends, I said, yo, she is gorgeous. I said, one day, me and her, that's my little diamond in the rough. I said, one day we're going to be together. Five years later, run into her, and one of the first things out of my mouth when I, when I stopped it was, are you still married? So right there, because she didn't change who she was, it forced me to come clean. I said, well, I'm separated. 
Divorce is pending. So I had to step my game up simply because she remained the woman that she was supposed to be. Now, what I didn't know is that that same night I had prayed to God, and I said, God, just send me somebody who understands me. She prayed to God that same night, Lord, send me somebody who loves me. Well, we didn't know our prayers were going to be answered because if you fast forward through our relationship with the cheating and everything else, who else was going to be able to get through all the foolishness that I put them through other than someone who understood me? And I had told her that night that I was going to be the best man that had ever been in her life. So Lord sent me to love her, and Lord sent her to me to understand me. So our relationship, where it's going now since we've gotten married, is only what we asked God for, and then we're brave enough to go out and live. So to any person in the body of Christ, not, not just God, not, not just man or woman, either, if you just do what God asks you to do, be as faithful as you can. You can't be perfect. We know that. But just do the best you can to be that individual that God intends you to be. Watch how he works it out. Because if you can be on the phone right now with a pure whore, ex-whore, who now loves his wife more than anything else, and make sure that I said anywhere that I am on anything that I do, how do I get to this point? Not on my own. There's hope anyway. And we hear that so often on television, but it has to be the case. This is another reason why we created the publishing company, why we wrote the book, why I wrote the book and she edited it and went over the whole thing, was that I had her write the forward because when I thought about who I could have write the forward, I said, who else better than my wife? Because we now, I, know, I, know, I know Mario has a question. I just want to ask one quick, quick question really quick. Sure. Okay, but if just let's say if I came to you for relationship advice. Yes. And I was dating, and, 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 and we go back, snapshot in time, and I was your girlfriend, and it was you, would you have told me to wait for you? You see what I'm saying? Do you, would you have advised me to stay with you and, you know, put up with the cheating and, and this and that? What would you have advised me to do? Okay. Here's, here's the thing with that. And this is where when you have to look at where you are with God at that time. My, 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 my wife had started reading the, the Word, and she got baptized. She prayed to God that if this is not the man for me, mm. show me enough to remove him. And mm. so that last time when we talked, she said, it is either God and me or the whores in the street. Make your choice. And I and I pretty much knew after being, you know, went through the foolishness before she meant it. What I would say to any person, there's no way of answering that without knowing what your relationship is with, with God and what God shares with you. There's no way I would know that. The one thing I would always say to anyone is pray. Listen, I'd say fast before, so you can really have yourself open to receive what God is offering you. Make sure that you're paying attention to the scripture so you have a scriptural um, um, understanding so when things start to evolve in front of you, you can actually see if it's lining up with the scriptures or not. Because remember, the Lord is not going to line up anything in front of you that doesn't line up with the word that he gives us to live by. And then you have to make whatever difficult decision that it's going to make. Sometimes a difficult decision is you should have never been in this relationship to begin with. Let it go and mm. walk away. That's as hard as trying to stay in it. So, like I said, there's no way to tell someone what it's going to be without knowing all the specifics at the time. And I guess if I was sitting with you, I would have to take everything into consideration. And also, if, it's, if, it's, if we're talking spiritual counseling, it's where you with God right now. Because if you're not in line, if you're not understanding where you are, 
there's really no way to say what, what, what or interpret anything that's been given to you because are you sure it's God's message or what you want? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Okay. Mario. Well, well, he just shutting everybody up tonight. Uh, we, we, we want you to. Say, I'm, I'm saying, like, yeah, this is the quietest we've been, I think. Right, right. He, you're the host of the show, man. I ain't got nothing to say. Ask me a question. No, uh, no, you're doing, you're doing a good job, man. You're doing a good Thank job. Thank you, brother. And, uh, Thank you. Being a great writer that you are, what inspires you to write this type of book? You come on now. I want to ask the question. I'm not, like, well, I'm not a great writer. I would just say I write from the heart. And I just try to put in and, what I see and feel. Uh, you know why I said that? I leave that in the hands of other folks. But you know why I said that? Because why is that, bro? Listen, listen to what you just said. You said you write from the heart, right? Yes. God touches you in the heart, right? Yes. So you're a great writer. So by you being a great writer, <laughs> what inspired you to write this book? All right. What decided, what, what caused me to write this book was my first book was called The Man in Transition, which was a poetry book. And what I did was uh, my wife convinced me to show the world the type of poetry that, because I used to be an erotic poet and I used to be an erotic writer. I used to write erotic stories and had a strong erotic following. Um, I used to do erotic poetry and and would perform at different places here in New York. And, again, it was the whole purpose was get the crowd charged up so I could pick who I'm going home with that evening and make it work for myself. Um, so what I decided was once I got saved, I said, I can't serve two masters. So I put that pen away and I said, I'm not going to write that way anymore because I'm not going to lead anyone into, uh, what I had just been freed from. And Mm. so my wife had said, and this is very important to men, learn to listen to your, to your, your wife, learn that God doesn't always speak to you directly, but speaks to the person next to you simply because, he may want the way that person speaks to you or the connection that that person has to you. That way you'll understand it and receive it better. Not that God can't give it to you himself, but he takes who we are into consideration when he delivers the message. Case in point, Hezekiah and Isaiah. Hezekiah was told by Isaiah he was going to die. Hezekiah ran, jumped in bed, cried, and prayed out to God. What do you mean I'm going to die? I did everything I was supposed to do. Isaiah got the message, came back to Hezekiah and said, God said to tell you that he heard your cries. You're going to live 15 more years, and I'll be back. I'm going to Iliad to get the, the cream for your, for your wound, and we're going to take care of you. So, again, Hezekiah was not told. It was Isaiah. So we have to learn to listen to those individuals who are in our lives for a reason. So when my wife said to me, um, you need to put out the type of poems that you show me, and I said, nah, baby, that's for you. And every woman that's listening and ladies on the panel that's on the show know when there's a side of your man that only he shows you, that giddy side, that soft side, that side that – you know, he don't want no other brother to see because it's his gooey side. Well, my wife said, you need to let people see that. And I decided to do that. So when we published our first book, people said, don't do it because poetry doesn't sell. I said, okay, I won't sell poetry. I'll sell me, and I'll sell my story, and I'll sell exactly why I put this out because I believe the Lord touched me to put this out this way. And it was, it was, it was received successfully. So in the two years, that was 2008, so in the two years that the book has been out with all the, the, the workings and, and going out and talking to different folks, selling books, we decided to start our company in 2010, but leading up to um, 2010, my wife said, now that you got them to know you, you need to go ahead and put the, the truth out, put it all out there. I said, you know what, yeah. So I started working on From Jiggle to Jesus, and in 2010 decided to, to really just put it out there. And the reason why I made it a memoir is that I decided 
I'm going to give it to you all. So there's a chapter on abortion where I talk about the number of abortions and miscarriages that I've been a part of. Not that I'm proud of it. It was the hardest chapter in the book to write because the idea that I was a part of the removing of children from this planet, it's not something I'm happy about. It was something that, that hurt to get it out. And i got to honestly admit, when I heard people say writing was therapy, I never believed that. I said, well, I don't listen. You can put down whatever. I never thought that writing anything would be um, yes, therapeutic until I wrote that, until I wrote yes. that chapter, and I started thinking of the damage. How oh, many of those children could have maybe went on to do whatever. How many of those children, you know, children don't ask to be here. You make the choice to bed down somebody. You make the choice to, to lay with somebody. You make the choice. She makes it too. Don't get me wrong. It's not one-sided. But people make the choice to lay with each other. So the child faces the punishment now because you couldn't control yourself, that you run off to a doctor now and so let's clean this up. And I just felt so emotional that I said, you know what, no problem. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll deal, and I, and I put it out there. And part of the reason why I put it out there was that way I know what women have gone through. My, my wife and I lost a child when she had a miscarriage, and, and I've known what – I've seen some of my the women friends that I've been with and, and, and understood now why they can't have children because the medical procedure caused them not to be able to have children. And I started to understand how my actions affected people's lives to the negative. And so I used that as fuel to try to do what's right. I always say to folks, I owe, and I owe big time. I owe my I owe God first. I owe my wife second, and to me, I feel I owe any time I wake up in the morning. I use that as motivation when I go into the classroom. I use that as motivation when I'm writing. I use it when I'm speaking because a motivational speaker is only as good as the feelings that he can cause into somebody to want to be different. If you sit and listen to anybody who calls himself a motivational speaker and there's something that doesn't charge you up to want to go do something, then Mm -hmm. you should get your money back. You should demand your money back. Because information I can get, that's what the Internet's for. You ain't showing me, you ain't telling me nothing with information. I'm halfway educated. I can get information. But if you don't touch my spirit in some type of way that when I leave, I go, listen, I got to tell you what this brother said tonight. I got to tell you what this sister said tonight. I ain't even hear it put like that. I've heard that a thousand times. If something doesn't touch you in some type of way, I don't care what they're speaking on. Their passion should touch you. Like, I ain't never heard nobody talk about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like that, man. It made me want to run out and make one myself. But whatever it is, someone's, their passion should flow through so much, and that is my motivation for writing, brothers. That's why the logo or the the motto of our um, our company is writing from the heart the way it should be. I feel that people would stop worrying about money, prestige, and all the other foolishness that man creates, but really say, I just want who I am to come through with every word that I put down. Man, things would be so much better, and that's what I'm trying to do. that's That's what's behind the book. Wow. wow. Okay. All right. You you shut me up every time I open up my mouth. I'm shutting up. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't be a good guest I, if I left you just having that question and didn't say nothing. <laughs> yeah. I have one more question, then I'm gonna shut up for a while because I'm gonna let D do her thing because D gonna get you. I'm, I'm telling you, D ready to get at you. No uh, problem. For the listeners and for us at Black Writer Space, also give us three words that describe you. Passionate. Thoughtful, compassionate. And why? Where God could have left me, the wife that he blessed me with, and I just see the world totally different than most. Hmm. That's good. I'm going to shut up, okay? I'm going to shut up, okay? I'm going to be still. 
Yeah, no, that's that's great, bro. That's great, and we appreciate you coming on the show with, with all you, you got going on. And you just don't know that we really need you in the society to help the youth, man. And not only the youth, but the those that still acting like you. You know what I mean? So <laughs> keep up the good work. Keep up the good work, man. Keep up the Thank good you, work. Thank you, Appreciate it. No problem. And then Dave, I just got two quick questions. One coming from left field, but um, and, I, and it's just a curiosity of mine. One. Do you, uh, one, well, I guess I have to ask the first question. Do you feel as though pornography or erotic films or whatever, even in in the context of a man and a wife, has a place in a Christian household or for Christians? And if, if so, if not, what got you away from that? Um, well, I think you squeezed two things together I wouldn't put together, which makes the question somewhat loaded. Pornography, as instituted in society, no, should not be in a marriage because when we talk about marital aids, anything that you put money into that's going to fund things that's obviously God can't be of, of, of use in a, in a Christian marriage. So pornography should be off the table. Erotica is something different. See, because my wife and I can be erotic. And we can, the levels to the eroticism that we may choose between us, as long as we're not introducing other individuals or things that's outside the realm of what God says a marriage should be, is perfectly fine. And I think every Christian marriage should have a, 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 a balance of erotica simply because that's your wife, that's your husband. Y'all two should get excited. You should call and say, when you get on the day, you know it's on, right? And there's no reason why y'all can't have that type of conversation, that type of love, as long as it's done in a respectful way and not. Um, everything for public consumption to the point that you may be causing somebody to fall off a wagon that they work very hard to, to, to get on. So you have to be mindful of what you put out to the world, what is in the marital bed, which it should be private. Oh, my gosh, that's open to whatever, as long as you ain't, you know, doing things where, um, you know, let's, let's dream that we're the neighbors. No, you don't need to be the neighbors. Let's dream who we are and just have fun because now we're coveting the neighbors. And we don't need to do that. The, the thing is that the married bed is, is wide open. Have fun. You're supposed to. That's what keeps your marriage in, in such a place that um, you, you're bouncing around and, and looking young. And, and, and so I wouldn't connect pornography to that. Um, I'm working on uh, – uh, I want to write an anthology coming up. This uh, – 2012 or 2013, I want to write a book for married couples in the church, but – Every story in the book is based on marital erotica, married couples enjoying each other. That has nothing to do with introducing anybody else where they're enjoying each other, but if, in various degrees and various forms because you're not dead. Your wife is attractive to you. She looked good. Then listen, I'm just saying, we went out for my wife's birthday. When she was getting dressed, I said, ooh, I might have to rough somebody off tonight. You're looking good, so I hope no dude makes no move because, girl, we might not make it to the party. Then when we was at the party, I was in one part of the lounge that we was at, and I was overlooking, and I see the guy smile. He was trying real hard. He was he was like, yo, she looked good. I, I smiled and I laughed, and I came back down. and said, honey, you want me to hold your bag for you? He looked at me like, who this? And I said, well, you can keep talking. I'm going to go on about my business because my wife got herself together. I ain't got to sit there and be up over her, watch her. I think it's funny how guys find my wife attractive, as long as they're respectful, of course. But before I could say anything, she would have shut, shut him down if he was disrespectful. But the thing was, I still find, I'm always going to find my wife attractive, and that's what married couples should really do. And, and being erotic, please, if you're alive, y'all should be made, have a healthy love life, should have a healthy physical life inside that bedroom. 
Now, you shouldn't go out and commit, commit crimes, like get caught in the bushes or nothing like that, but, you know. <laughs> How did you get away from the pornography? Was it through? I mean, was it hard for you? Very you hard. That was a tool Very that you hard. Very hard. And I, in terms of, I have to make sure that I'm not using the internet for anything that's negative. I'm not perfect. And um, for the areas that I have under complete control, there are areas that I'm, I'm weak at. And so I have to be mindful if somebody sends me something to go. And I don't want to see that as soon as I see what it is. Because mm-hmm. a part of you may go, keep watching. And you have to make sure that you monitor. Now, there's certain aspects that you have to pay attention to every day. And those are the areas that you're weak in. First thing is that you have to admit that it's a weakness. Because, excuse me. Any man that does not admit his weaknesses or a man that's setting himself up for a fall, you have to at least say, I struggle with pornography. I struggle when I used to go to um, – Big girl parties, full-figure parties with full-figure women. I love full-figure women. Don't get me wrong. To me, a woman starts to size 14, so thick is working for me. So that's just me. But I realized when I was going to those parties, it was like going to a crack house and being in a place that fed into the addiction that I have because mm. so I had to stop going, and I don't go. And some people say, well, you happily married because I'm not going to place myself in an environment where temptation could maybe move me to fall off that wagon I won't, so I just don't go. But that means you haven't grown yet. No, I'm grown enough to know that I shouldn't be there. So, yes, I am still growing, but I'm smart enough to know I don't place myself in certain environments to not tempt myself. And the Lord actually says you shouldn't do that. You should actually flee from the things that tempt you, and that's the growth for myself. But pornography is a struggle simply because there's so much of it. And it's hard, and that's why with the company that we created, we don't put out any um, erotica slash pornography type books. We don't. We and, and and if you put it in your book when you come to us, you got to show me how it fits what's going on with the character for me to mm-hmm. understand that. Because mm-hmm. I just like you can't put out like I couldn't, I couldn't publish a, a Zane type book. Just I mm-hmm. can't do it. Not that I'm knocking her right to do that. Listen, if there's people that love it and will pay for it, go right ahead. I'm not going to knock anybody for making money. I'm just going to say that's not how we do it. Mm-hmm. And so these are the things that I've made a choice. Now, the sacrifice that I've made is money. I'm not going to make as much money as some other publishers because certain types of work I won't put my name on. My wife won't put her name on. Um, I also sacrifice certain friendships because they want to go certain places and I don't go. And so because I don't go, they feel like I'm acting as if I'm better than them when I'm just understanding myself. Um, I sacrifice prestige because I already know I'm not going to be seen as famous as some of those who have just given into the negative. Also, I'm not going to be as, as prestigious in certain church environments because I'm going to ask why we spend so much time in this building when the, the sins are being committed out on the street. And so I'm going to ask those questions because I believe we got to go to where people are. Jesus was where people were. Jesus could have spent all his time in the synagogue if he wanted. As far as I remember, there's only two reported times that he was in church. Mm-hmm. Most of the time he was out amongst the people, and we, I think we sometimes forget that. And I think as a church body, church-going body, we forget that it is not about the building. And actually he came and criticized the building itself and said, I'm here to destroy it. So how did we get to the point that we rebuild the building that he destroyed? instead of being amongst the people. And I know sometimes when I say that, you know, some folks get upset. I also have a problem with the prosperity messages that are given about how everything's going to be great. No, it's not. <laughs> you may wake up a slave and die a slave, and that is what God placed you here for. You may have a violent death being a Christian, but and that's what God may intend for you. And we need to start telling the truth. Ask the disciples, all 12, all 11, all 11 met with some horrible death. 
And the other one had to be exiled because how would you react if you just saw the end of the world? You wouldn't be able to live amongst people. Mm-hmm. So now who's ready to step up and, and, and take that take that boat? But yet we keep hearing, sow your seed and great things are going to happen. Your great thing may be you get your head cut off. Are you ready for that? Okay. And then my, my very last question is, yeah. with the age of the pornography and everything, my, and I know that you um, have a, a youth mentor program, Young Kings, and so we haven't really But we did. That, the principal shut it down. The, the principal shut me down last year, unfortunately, at the school that I was at because he, his ego got in the way. But, yes, we had one. Okay. Well, my I have a 14-year-old son, and yeah. with pornography everywhere and the Internet, back in the day we were able to uh, – you know, you you would monitor because it wasn't so easy access. Now you could just get it on your phone. You yeah. know, um, I, I know we have to take a break, but when we come back, I'm just trying to find because the girls are kind of a little aggressive as well as men or, or boys these days, and I'm trying to see what you know as a as a single mom, you know, raising a son, what um, direction I can lead him in to you. try to help him. But we'll take a break first, and then when we come. You can answer that question. No problem. Okay, thank you. Never would have made it. Never could have made it. I would have lost it all, but now I see how you were there for me, and I can say, never would have made it, never could have made it without you, I would have lost it all, but now I'm wiser, I'm better, much better, when I look back over all your partners.
Good evening, and we are back. Um, our guest tonight is K.L. Belvin. If you just um, tuned in with us tonight, and we are having I'm so an sorry for you. <laughs> I know, right? You can always go back and listen to uh, the entire show. But um, I have my guest with me, I mean, my co-host with me tonight, um, Mario and DeAndrea, and this is really good. Um, I know that we have a lot of extra callers tonight. I'm excited about that. And I really believe that a lot of people are um, really um, learning some things and um, um, just, just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um Gathering increase area because yeah, it's like this is like a really really deep subject. It's much needed uh, in society today, and um, we don't get a lot of positive feedback on it. Like he said, it's you know they they make you feel like pornography. That's that's what it is. It's you know it's okay. It's okay to um, sleep with uh, so many women, and you you know you cause a man, and, and then men have so many different struggles, and they don't always have someone they can talk to or to um, express themselves or to talk about their struggles and things that they go through. So anyhow, Andrea, you had another question? No, I just wanted him to answer that one question about uh, direction to lead my son. Gotcha. Um, One of the things that I would say to, and I say to um, any single mother, because I deal with it often here in New York City, is that first you have to look at what are you enabling. And I know this is a very hard thing for a lot of women, is that if he's 14 and you said he's getting a lot on his phone, why does he have that type of access on his phone and you're paying for it? Oh, he doesn't oh. have a phone. I was just no, no. saying that it's his phone. No, no, I'm, just, no, no. I'm, no, no I'm, not, I'm not trying to out you. I'm not trying to out you in any way. I'm not trying to out you in any way or put you on blast in any way. I'm just saying these are the things that I say to parents of single children is that Mm -hmm. you have to look at, one, cut off the faucet that you control. Now, let's let's be perfectly real and let's be brutally honest. We can't change society overnight. We can only make our stand against what society says is okay. As Christians, just the fact that we call ourselves Christians or we call ourselves Muslims, we call ourselves Jews, whatever we call ourselves, we are not going to be the majority. We're going to be the minority. So when you make that stance that's opposite what society says is okay, you have to now make sure that you're not enabling the children in your home to be able to have a be a part of things that are opposite your faith. Now, with the computer, and yes, it's very difficult, but do you have all the blocks or anything on your computer? Is your computer centrally located in the house where he couldn't get on porn because it's right there in the living room, and if you come out the kitchen and see or hear anything ain't supposed to be, he can't do it. So why do we have the computer in their room? Why do we make it that the room door is locked? You know, our grandparents used to say, ain't no locked doors in this house because I'm paying the rent. And they bust in any time they want. And they say, you don't like it, get a job, get out. When did we get away from that? And so when do we start giving our children more freedoms to do things that we know is wrong? So that's one thing. Take that back. The second thing is have open and honest conversations about the person you was when you were their age and the things you were before God. No, you're not going to corrupt them any more than society is trying to. What you're going to do is give them a platform to be honest with you so then you can say, yes, I was that way. And it was the worst thing that I could have done because it means more if dad or moms or aunt is sitting in front of a child and say, yes, 
I got down in ways that I hope you never, simply because I was stupid. Make sure they can feel the emotion of the negativity of what you once were, and then now lead them to the positive you to make sure they understand that the person you are right now, even though you're not perfect in any way, you would still rather be this creature than that creature, and then show them why God does what God does to those who are opposite what he believes in. If you are enemy of God, this is what could happen. Use the scriptures the same way society would try to use commercials and everything else. When they try to show you the pleasure of smoking, they try to show you the pleasure of sex. When they try to say there's nothing wrong with having multiple partners, there's nothing wrong with laying with that dude and you a dude, laying with that chick and you a chick, all that's cute, right? Let me show you something. You see right here? Look what God did this whole group of people who thought that way. Look at what God did to a group of people who kept yelling out that they didn't believe he was real. Look at how God did this. God destroyed a lot of people for standing in opposition to who he was. Then to balance it off again, showing what God does to those he loves. Showing what God offers to those who went through some very hard things. And explain to them at the very beginning of the conversation, everything that I'm going to explain to you is not easy. Change is never easy. Standing opposite what your friends are thinking and doing is not easy. Your friends' parents may say, it's okay if y'all smoke weed in the house, have sex in the house. Not here. And I better not catch you over there. Your friends' parents may say, what's wrong with him having a girlfriend at 14? I don't care what you do with your son, not mine. Show him that you're willing to stand against the world even if you are all by yourself. Because he has to be able to see it at home first or he's not going to believe it's real. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start. Now, 14, not too late, but tough. Because if you haven't done it, he's got a 14-year head start on the negative. Mm-hmm. So now to rope him in is going to be a fight. So you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to fast. Find maybe a couple of brothers of surrounding you that's in the churches that you go to, that's in the organizations, or maybe at the school. And don't ever overlook the different men that work inside schools. Too often folks come in and they see me, I'm a teacher, yes. But you know what? That maintenance guy got a story, and he's around kids too. Other people inside the building who have lesser positions, we always seem to gravitate to the person with the education. You know what? Maintenance guy is in the building every day. Maintenance guy goes to church every Sunday. Maintenance guy is around kids and sees the negative. You know what? He may be a fantastic father at home. Find out what men are around in the areas that your son spends his most time. Ask them to help you. Make demands on some of the same men that's trying to get up in your panties. Now, I got a son here. What you going to do with him? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you going to do with him? We, we ain't getting down, so you better do something. You better help me with my child. Start making people accountable who say they're your friends, who say they love you, because you know what? His life is worth it. And one of the things I'll share is, is, is when you look at the scriptures, it says that the angels celebrate when one finds their way home. That's why it's worth it. That's why it's worth it. Right. That one young man that finds his way back, is a story for a hundred other men. Every time I see a teenager, I just ran into a young man today. I was at the dentist, and I ran into a young man, and as soon as he saw me, I said, I thought that was you, and we hugged. I had him when he was, 20, when he was 12 or 13. Now he's 24, and he was telling the, 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 the receptionist, that's my favorite teacher right there, and he took my call. He said, I'm definitely going to call you, Mr. B, and we talked. That's what it's about. That's a seed I planted 12 years ago. Wow. But that's what it's about. And, and as parents, we have to do that because if our kids don't see it at home, they're not gonna. They, they may see it, but they're definitely gonna see something negative. Well, you know what? If my kids are gonna see something negative, I want them to see what they need to see in me first. My sons and I had a conversation all the time. Dad, why are you talk to so many people? Why are you so nice? Even at one time when I first got saved, my 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 son from my my previous marriage said to me, 
He said, I don't really like this new you, Dad. He's not cool. And it hurt at first. It really did. But then I gathered up my strength, and I said, well, you know what? You're going to have to deal with it. I'm not going back to that man I was when I didn't know God. Now, I'm not going to force you to follow the path that I'm following with, with, with the Lord, but this is what it's going to be when you're with me. This is what it's going to be when I come get you from your mother's house, when you come to my house. This is what my wife and I are about, and you're either going to co-sign to it or don't come over and visit me. And you know what? My son took a weekend off. But then when he realized that I was dead serious about it, your dad, you coming to get us this weekend? Yeah, I'll be right there. I hold no, no animosity that he took a weekend off and didn't bring it up. And you know what? Now that, And that was six, seven years ago. Now he just turned 20 to 26, and the other one is 16. He just drove out here because he got his license. Now you can't tell him nothing. He lives in Brooklyn. I live in Queens. He just drove out here to come see me. We hung out. We watched the game. We had a little something to eat. We hugged, and they went back home. And I said, wow, 20 years old. My grandmother and I was joking. I said, wasn't too long ago. They were rolling around the grass out in front of the house. Now look. But that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay, we have our caller that called in earlier. I think he has another question. We have room for one more question. Hello? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question. Uh, Do you think, um, when I ask for help with with the problem, right, I told you I go to church, and I got all these women coming at me. You know, I I talk to some, I like, but the majority of the women come at me. I mean, they don't want to go to the show. They don't want to go out to dinner. They basically just want to have sex. And I try to talk to a guy at the church, and he said, I got spirits on me. Do you believe I have a spirit on me? Because, I mean, everywhere I go, they come at me. And it's, it is straight sexually. I don't, I don't know what I do. I'm not an extraordinary, nice-looking guy or all that, but I just draw this attention to me. you believe I got a spirit on me? I'm, I'm not one because I can't sit there and say yes or no. Do spirits exist? The Lord said they do, so they do. But I'm going to tell you what, one of the ways that you can get away from that spirit is you confront it the way Jesus confronted. When a woman lets it be known what her interest is, call her on that action right then and there. When a woman, because how do you know that they want to have sex with you? So then why even entertain the conversation? And what you do is out them. When they come to you and say, hey, how don't we, hold on, hold on, sister. So we supposed to burn in hell because of this? Is this what you want? Use their, use back what the very thing that they say that they are. If they're in the church, then they're claiming to, want to be there, right? So turn it back on them. Say, you know, God is listening to this conversation. You want to talk about sex when we're supposed to be children of God? Why, why would you do that? I, but they started, off with, uh, God, they started off with, uh, I believe God told me that you're my husband. and So you know what? <laughs> Fine. He didn't tell me, so I'm good. <laughs> he didn't, I didn't hear that, and I didn't get that memo, so I'm going to hold on because if you really offer me, the Lord will make sure I'm in position to be that. I'm sorry right now. I got to focus on being the man God wants me to be. And right now, you know, the easiest way to say, I don't believe in premarital sex. So unless you're ready to go get married tomorrow, I can't. And I'm not ready to get married. So I'm just going to hold out. I'm good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you you need to sound like you believe this. See, that's a problem, brother. Look, you just said it like that, that response is a problem because if my sister's listening, she's like, see, ooh, I got to end. You got to believe it. That's yeah. the spirit. That's not the spirit. That's the spirit. Because if a chick comes to you and says, "Ooh, I want it," let's be let's keep it hundred percent now. If a chick says, "Ooh, I want to get with you," and you giggle and laugh, you didn't put God first. Let's call it what it is. Are you yeah, giving I mean, them reason to believe it? Now you said earlier when you called earlier, you slipped a little bit. Are you making these women believe it? Are you feeding a little bit into that because it's making you feel good? Because these chicks are digging you. But either way, that means you placing God up on the shelf and putting yourself in His shoes. Those are dangerous pair of shoes to put on, my brother. 
Yeah, sometimes I, I'm, I admit I do because, uh, like I say, man, uh, I called earlier and I told you about uh, I used drugs before as something. Some, I, 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 sometimes I couldn't wait on God, and I always use things on the outside instead of waiting on God. I want instant, instant gratification. And sometimes when I'm going through something, I, I think I allow that because it makes me feel good. And, and, but, if and I'm, I'm trying, now, but if you're here now, let's, let's keep it just like in rehab. You can't mm-hmm. come to rehab if you're still using. Let's keep it 100%. Let's don't sugarcoat yeah. nothing on the show. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. say, I'm trying to be godly if you're still doing whatever. So let's stop that first. Because mm-hmm. the problem is you. It's not the chick. Because if you're still dad, dipping and dabbing, God ain't there. So why are you shocked that things are not falling the way that you want? Yeah, I'm just keeping it 100%. If I go out here and get next to a woman and I'm married, that's my fault. It ain't got nothing to do with her. Because I uh, let her know in my actions that I'm not serious about my wife. Yeah. So if you want to stop the spirit, stop being one. Mm. <laughs> and you was the one that God gave you. Um, yeah. Good. That's good. Deep. Okay. That was good. I kind of knew you. that. I just wanted to get your <laughs> your interpretation. Oh, you just wanted some godly confirmation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No problem, brother. <laughs> hey, what's the name of the book again? I, I Hey, you should say that again. What's the name of the book? Because I'm definitely going to go Jigolo to Jesus. From Jigolo to Jesus by K.L. Belvin. You can go to my website, www.bravenpublishing.com. Bravenpublishing.com. Jigolo to Jesus by K.L. Belvin. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> no right. problem. Brother. What is com? No, actually, you can use the publishing site, which is easier. K.L. the Writer is my, my, my personal website, which is fine, too. www.klthewriter.com. Dot com as well as www.braven, B-R-A-V-I-N, publishing.com. Either website is good. One is my personal website. The other one is the publishing website my wife and I run. Wow, wow, wow. That's good. That's good. It was good, y'all. It was good. <laughs> it's going to continue to be good. It really is. And great guest, too. I knew yeah. he was going to be good, because like I said, I had a conversation with him um and yeah, yeah, because we couldn't. We were we were typing I am and and I just couldn't tell everything you know in I am box because I had I was trying to do like five things at the same time. I said, can you call me? And I know normally times you tell a woman to call you at like one thirty, quarter two in the morning. She's like, what's this right. dad up to? So I said, listen, it just makes it easier for me to um, to respond to you because I was really responding to the show that you had. So I had some things to mention in terms of what I was listening to the show that y'all had um, last week. And so a lot of times I'm up late at night, so I'll tell people to call me. And some people have apprehension, but one of the first things I explain to them is that it's the way that I can help is by speaking to you. Because if i got to do all that typing, my thoughts are moving faster than I can type. And so right. it doesn't come across the way that I want um, a person to um, to get it. I want to ask, can I give out, can I give out my um, the, oh, like yeah. the Twitter? Okay. Because I know... Here we go. Um, well, I gave the two websites because my wife and I do a radio show um, that's actually every Friday. We should be back up and running in February. It's actually a show based on relationships. It's called Black Love Radio, and we're moving to Blog Talk Radio, I think, in February. I think uh, mid-February we should be back up and running. But um, if you need to find me on Twitter, it's KL Belvin. We also have Braven Books, which is our Twitter handle, and the other one is Black Love Radio on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, Braven Publishing on Facebook. I'm, I'm KL Belvin on Facebook, and we also have Black Love Radio on, on, on Facebook. And so you can actually just, um, if you Google KL Belvin, you can see the, the different um, videos. I, I try to do 
on YouTube is KL the writer, by the way, is I try to do videos, I try to do different things. And my wife and I are very transparent because we want folks to be able to feed off of what we do, but in their own way. So if you go to my Facebook page, uh, KL Belvin, and go through my videos, you'll see um, our wedding. We put our wedding because we did it in the backyard of our parents' house, and we did it all ourselves, and we didn't pay anybody. We, we did it from start, to, from start to finish. We did it ourselves, and we wanted folks to be able to share in that with us. And we just believe that if folks would, would allow the world to see what God is doing and has done for them, you'll actually start to get people's attention to change. And, and we're in this, this, if you have February's issue of Ebony, we're in Ebony Magazine, page 96. And we didn't even know at the time that we were writing the article that it was going to Ebony. And then when they did tell us, they said there was a 90% chance that we would be in there. And then we found out when a friend of ours from Atlanta posted on Facebook that she's reading it and here we are giving some relationship advice and talking about um, from Jiggle to Jesus. And we were just sitting back smiling and said, well, look at God showing out because we never thought that we'd be here. And we are still got a long way to go. So we don't take ourselves that serious because we know we got um, so much – we got a long way to go. And we ask anybody that's listening to understand this, that we're entrepreneurs as well as we're folks who are trying to do something that's not the norm. But we can't do it without the professional help from those who support what we do. We're professionals, which means we can't drive 200 miles, 500 miles, and you not pay us. Now, I'll always work within whatever means a person has because I know these are difficult times, but you can't be shocked that I sell books. So you can't say, can I have it for free? simply because i got to be able to replace what I lay out or I won't be able to do it for other people. Also, when you ask us to come and speak, we'll come and speak if we can, but at least somebody can fry some chicken or something or give us somewhere <laughs> to lay our hands. Somebody can <laughs> sleep in our van some nights, you know, to get to different places that we go because what we're really trying to do is get the message out. And like I said, we'll work with any organization, but that's where you got to hold your conscience at bay because – because we'll say we'll work with folks, they, they lowball us, and I don't worry about it. I pray for them and keep it going because, right. you know what, at the end of the day, it is what it is because I know what the message is about, and, I, and, and, and we're making it. And do I want things to be better? Yeah, but I know they will in, in the Lord's time. And so I would say to anybody who has entrepreneurs who's out there trying to do something positive, and I'm a teacher too, so as an educator, I take everything that I do, anything that I make, and I apply it to what I do in the classroom. And Lord knows I don't keep receipts to the stuff that I've done for kids in the classroom because I don't expect to get it back. But that's another thing that you're helping when you help us is that when I'm teaching, there's kids who didn't have a meal today that I don't go out and say, ooh, I just bought that kid lunch. I don't even talk about it. I'm just here. And sometimes I give them mine. Go ahead. Don't worry about it because I'd rather the kid eat for the day than worry about myself. I'll get something. I'm not worried about it. And we have to do that in our communities if we want things to change. And I'm big on that, and I'll keep preaching that, is that if we really want our community to change, we've got to step up and start acting like we really care about the damage that's going on. And I've been in the city, and I've been in the hood, and I've been teaching in the hood for 15 years. And I've seen it getting worse and worse every day because we've got less parents who seem to care what their children are doing. We just had a situation in Brooklyn yesterday. The mother left her 5-year-old, her 3-year-old on the corner with some extra pampers and drove off. Now, when do we start getting to the point that we won't even leave our children with family members? We're leaving them on the street now? Wow. So let's, start, let's start talking and doing, and this is what I'm doing, and this is why I put it out. I just walked away from an $80,000 position because I believe the Lord has more involved. So, yes, I'm going to tell people I sell books, 
because I left $80,000 on the table because I believe my message and what God wants me to do is going to return that. So, yes, I ask people to purchase the books because. So I ask folks to do the same thing. Wow. Hey, your message is worth your message is worth it. Anything you put time, energy and effort to and you pray fast and and commune with your wife and you put out you deliver, you you should be rewarded and you should be compensated for it. So you hmm. doing what you gotta do. There's no shame in being compensated for putting out a good product. We can't I go to the car dealership and get it for free. <laughs> well, I always, I always joke. You can't go to McDonald's and say how much you want to pay for the Big Mac. You pay whatever they charge you. So don't come and ask me <laughs> to reduce the price just because. I'll do it if you need help, but don't do it just because you can get away with it. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Great interview. Well, I tell you what, when we plan our. Uh, Conference or something. I'm gonna have something. You will be the author for the relationship topic. Not Your problem. book will be there. Yeah, I'm. I'm already gonna have to go to the site and see about um, getting some of the books. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get in and read it myself. But I know this is a book that I want to have. And uh, not a problem. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. And it's a wonderful show. And I've listened to the show, so I don't know why y'all so quiet. Because when I listen to the show, y'all was quite lively. I don't know y'all just backsizing me up. Wait, 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 wait! Did you hear last night's show? No, I I pulled on Monday. I missed last night's show, but I have to go back and listen to the archive. Oh, but I know last week y'all was y'all was bubbly last week because I heard about the going over to the dude in the snow and tapping on the window and homeboy. I was I was like, yo, hey, that's what got my attention. Last night the girl, but last night the married chick was on. She called in. Oh wow, wow! So my guest yesterday, and it was crazy. You really have to go back and listen. To yeah, that I got show. you. I definitely got to go back and listen to that because I said, then okay, the they sizing me up. They gonna bite me back and do me dirty. I don't know. They they ready now. They they armed up. You know, when you first go to a restaurant, you go. I wasn't ready for what they were serving. Now I'm ready now. <laughs> wow. Definitely. Anytime, actually, my wife is sitting. My wife is sitting right here next to me. That's that's who you need to have on because I think when people listen to me, it's my wife that that afterwards they go, well, we need to hear his wife. That's who you need to talk to because a lot of times when they hear me, they go, okay, we heard him, but we need to hear his wife because I don't know how she put up with all that. So that's who you need to talk to. <laughs> now, when is her book coming out? Um, we're working on God willing. We're working on trying to have it ready for the summertime. We're hoping. We got a lot of things planned. But we're hoping for uh, midsummer, if not late summer launch. But um, okay. her, her title, Stop Doggy Posing, A Woman's Guide to Regaining Her Dignity, is actually her explaining to women a lot of the things that I talked about tonight, but actually her explaining to women why you need to actually hold your dignity and get your dignity back. And actually, that's what actually men need. We need y'all to hold that bar in place. Don't lower it. But don't raise it so high that the brothers who are working hard can't get to it because then you can't complain about being alone when you put yourself in an unobtainable position. Mm-hmm. So just keep that ball where it is and keep doing you. Brothers will get there. Brothers will get. Brothers will do the things needed to get up to it and over it because they'll see that you're worth it. Think about it. Look how hard they cry when a good woman leaves them. <laughs> and then one of the first questions you ask, why'd you do the thing? I don't know. And they sound so stupid. We do. We sound so stupid when the good woman wants to leave us. And, Lord, oh, you can yeah. listen to the, the voice that I left when I got caught cheating the first time. 
I was a babbling fool. <laughs> well, you know what? You're right. Usually we, we are, I know I do. I ask a lot of questions, but you know what? You're, tonight, it was just like a good meal, just going to a restaurant, sitting down. It really was. Had, was so, had so much sustenance. We needed to hear it, you know, so Thank I was you. just kind of hanging on to every word. So Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> I it. I had a health meal, yeah. Yeah, Thank you so I, much. I appreciate it. It was well, well worth it. And I can't wait to see what you have coming up. I can't wait to a woman's guys regaining her self respect. Is that what you said? No, stop uh-uh. doggy posing. Stop doggy posing. Uh, a woman's guide to regain her, <laughs> her dignity. Her dignity. Yeah, because I you know when show, dogs, when show dogs are posing, they sit there on a leash and they're so happy that the master has them on a leash. And a lot of women don't realize that there's a lot of men that have them on, on multiple leashes and multiple women on multiple leashes, and they don't realize that they're actually posing for this man when in actuality your dignity should be that no one should put a leash on you. No one should have control over you. You and God should have that connection. And so she's working on um, hopefully opening up the eyes of women how they can have the same type of relationship that we have within wherever they are with themselves. And together we, we decided that this is the way we want to try to put it out there so folks can get her words and ours. We're also working on our seminar, Making Marriage Cool Again, and a small book that's going to go along with it. And that's one of the things that we're working to with small women organizations, uh, small and mid-sized churches. We're working on the Making Marriage Cool Again seminar, where we just go through some some bullet points and some things that we have um, between each other that has made our marriage cool for each other. And hopefully folks will be able to take that and look at their own relationships and see how that can work. And we're going to do a small book that's going to go along with it. So when you leave the seminar, you'll have um, something to read along the same lines of what you just listened to. And that should be something awesome. That sounds awesome. That's hot. Well, we definitely enjoy having you, and we will have you back, and we definitely are going to have your wife on. (laughs) No problem. Yes, yes. I wait for that. I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that. That sounds really um, good. We just had a healthy meal. Now she coming with the dessert. There you go. Wow. Excellent. That's the actual way to put it. Exactly right. Oh, even a, a relationship hour where they could do a, 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 you know, take questions from callers and, yeah. you know, maybe they can, you know, answer some questions. You know, the both of them. I think that would be awesome. We'd and to. we will listening to your um, show as well. Yeah. Definitely. It'll be out. Oh, yeah, we're, looking, keep we're looking um like mid February, but actually, let me give you a website if you want to go back and listen to some of our past shows when we were on another uh, uh station. It's um blackloveradio.ny.blogspot.com. So that's blackloveradio.ny.blogspot.com, and I think four or five of our past shows are there because I know we did the month of October on domestic violence. We did four good shows on that. So we got about six, I think six or seven shows that we did before we had to shut things down with the station that we were on. And so we'll be back. Uh, we're moving to blog talk, but you can definitely listen. And that's one of the things is we want folks to, to see how we interact with each other. And you can hear how me and my wife go back and forth. And like I said, we try to use our relationship as an example of the happiness that people could um, have, as well as all our materials will have both our pictures on it. So on the back cover of my book is a picture of both of us on um, a lot of the stuff that we have is pictures of the two of us because we don't want folks to see us in in separate situations unless that's what we choose. So when she's doing her, she's a full-figured model. So when she's doing her modeling, that's her thing. But I'm there cheering her on. 
when I'm teaching, that's my thing. But who's home grading the papers with me? Who's home helping her get the, 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 the outfits picked out with her and stuff like that? Who does the traveling? So, like, in April, we're going to Atlanta. She's being a, she's a part of a pageant that she's doing in April, and I'll be right there supporting her. I think she nominated me for a delegate of some type. I wasn't trying to be up on nobody's stage, but I'll go there and walk the runway if I have to. You know what I'm saying? I'll make it cool for the big brothers, the Ruben Stutters of the world. But um, yeah, whatever we yeah, got to yeah. do. <laughs> your wife has a title, right? Yeah, Doesn't your wife uh, have a title? What is what is your title, Miss? What are you, Mrs. Mrs. New York? Mrs. New York Plus or No, Mrs. Mrs. New York American Beauty. That's the new one. Plus. And what was the one before that? Miss Plus. Miss Plus America New York. All 2011, right? Both for 2011. American Beauty. American Beauty was 2012. Huh? 2010. No, one was 2010. She was something right. in 2011. You know, hold on one second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put my good. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Hello? Hi. Hi. How are you? Very good. We can't wait to have both of you guys on the show. I just wanted to give a little kudos to you. He was he was talking about you, and I said, your wife has some titles, doesn't she? So I was just trying to give a little plug there, just a little plug. <laughs> Yes, um, well, I was Miss New York City Plus Diva 2008, Miss Plus America New York 2010, and now I'm Mrs. New York American Beauties 2012. Oh. And I'm wow. competing in the nationals in April. So hopefully I can bring home the national title. <laughs> well, you have our support. You definitely have Thank our support. You. you are doing your thing. Thank you. Beautiful black people. We love to see it. Well, we definitely <laughs> enjoyed your husband. We cannot wait for you to come on the show. I was telling him we could do like a, a relationship hour where both of you guys are on and then we can have people call in and ask questions. I think that will be awesome. Well, I would love to, definitely. I look forward to that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Sounds good. We can't wait for your book as well. Yes, and thankfully my husband got the title right. <laughs> I think sometimes the title is too long for him, and he hey, just, hey, hey, he messes it up. But tonight he got it right, so I'll give him a kiss on the head for that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's good. Well, we really enjoy him, and we cannot wait to have him back, and you as well. Um, we had so many listeners, and uh, we were quiet because we were just listening to everything he had to say. We kind of just let him be the host of the show tonight. So. Yep. He yep. has yep. he has that effect, and I like to listen to him speak also. He has that effect. <laughs> that's, I guess that's why he's a motivational speaker. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm going to yeah. give you back to my husband. It was nice speaking to you, and I definitely look forward to being on the show in the future. Thank you. If I hadn't spent all that many years chasing skirts, I might have been able to do something in my past. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we have really enjoyed you. I am telling you. Thank you. Uh, I cannot wait to have you back. I cannot wait Thank to you. go um, and get the ebony. Um, it's February, correct? Yeah, it's the one that's out now. It's the, the red tail. It's the collector's item. And actually it says the black love issue, so... The Lord is sending a clear message by allowing us to be in that issue. It's the Black Love issue, and that's the collector's item one because I think there's two titles, but that's the collector's item one with the Red Tails um, actors on the cover, and we're on page 96. Okay. Well, thank you and very much. And Jiggle of the Jesus is the book behind the article. So tell your friends, family, pick it up because it helps us do what we do. All right. 
Thank you so much. Again, we enjoy you. Tiffany, Mario, you guys have anything else? No, we we will be having you back and you okay. your evening. Thank you. And May good. God bless you and all that you're doing. All the best to you. Um, thank Keep you again for having me. Thank you so much. God bless, guys. Good night. We are back. Also, great show, great guests, great information. Um, needed information. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I knew it was going to be good. Like I said, I spoke with him the other day, and um, I was very impressed with the, the information that he laid on my brain. Like, wow, okay, I could have him on the show. So, another. Um, great show. After last night's show, I think we needed some um, to spice it up. So um, I'm excited. The remainder of the week, tomorrow we are having Selena Johnson. Um, I, will at, I know, right? 20 minutes. She's giving us 20 minutes of her busy So we will be definitely starting at exactly 7 p.m. sharp. And we'll have her until 7.20. So you don't want to miss that exclusive interview with Selena Johnson with Black Writer's Face. Um, in Friday, we're having um, Zane. 
hour? So, 7 p.m. tomorrow, I'm, he, I'm having him call in at 7.30 since we're having Selena Johnson on first. At 7.30, it'll be the morning there. Wow, 1 o'clock, wow. He'll be at 1 in the morning, and then that morning, I mean, we're really interrupting his sleep because that wow. morning um, he's leaving to go to somewhere. He's going to Caribbean, the Caribbean, some somewhere he's going. He has to fly out, so, yeah, and he'll be gone for the the month of February, so that's why I wanted to squeeze him in uh, before he left. Mm-hmm. So that he wouldn't be back to the 17th. So anyhow, we'll have him tomorrow. Um, and I, I have, I've been talking to him for like the last two months. He was waiting on, um, well, maybe not two months because he started in December. But um, he wanted to make sure uh, his website was complete, you know, so he could be able to give out information and all of that. So I'm excited about that. And um, that's pretty much it. We have a couple of other great people coming up for February. Um, some uh, film. I got a, a guy that's, that's doing short films. He's going to be on the second week in February. been talking to him, and he was the one that, that gave me the inspiration to um, turn one of my short stories into a film. So... Um, that's exciting. He was like, you just need to just come on the set. You need to come when we cast it and see the auditions. You just need to sit through the whole process. He was like, it's amazing. He was like, um, I'll make sure I, you know, keep you on the up and up and let you know when we start because they're going to be doing another one. So he was just, um, I just talked to him this past weekend. He was in, where was he at? Oh, he was in, was it Louisiana? Uh, don't quote me, but he was out of town and he was at the film festival. Wow! So yeah, I'm like, man, for real? You know, you see this stuff all the Sunday time. Being but I never even was think anything. Sundance Film Festival was he in um in uh, number uh what is it uh, on the show, on the show um so we can have uh, second week in February yeah yeah. Yeah, I'm excited he's, about the writing contest. Did you the he did you hear that that sample writing I gave you last night? I'm telling you, I was blown away. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, I think I was half asleep, but I remember it because I was like, "Who I wrote was, that?" And it really sounded like something I seen on the internet or something mm-hmm. that somebody already who this is what they do. It sounded like that. Yeah, I remember. So I'm excited, Tiffany. I just want to say. Um, and for the listeners and those of you that know Tiffany, Miss Mocha, Miss Cafe Mocha Studios, Miss Black Writers Space, Adriana Parker Photography, um, you are doing it. You are doing it. And I am proud of you. I have known you for almost 20 years now. That's a, a long time. I've known you since you were dragging Timothy down the street, girl. And... Yeah. <laughs> Um, I am so proud of you, and I'm just blessed to be a part of this, that you have allowed me to, um, you know, piggyback on what you are doing. And the 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 sky is the limit. The sky is the limit, and I cannot wait to see where this ride takes us. So keep doing your thing, um, and, and bless, God bless you. God bless you. I can't wait to see what God has in store for you. I know it is awesome. And having said that, 
we will wrap it up. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I appreciate all. We still have one caller listening. Thank you so much for hanging in with us and backing us yeah. up. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Let me see what song I'm going to go out on tonight. I need something real good. I've been trying to pump up the music. I hope y'all feel it because I've really been trying to pump the music up. I know I was... Same old boring stuff for a minute, but I'm like, uh-uh, we got to pump this up a little bit. Uh, what do I You know what's been good. I, 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 um, go ahead. What? I don't know. I think I done played it. What's oh. that song? What's our theme song, girl? Go, go out on that one. <laughs> what theme song? Oh, man, I can't think of that name. That one song? Yeah. I don't have it. Ah. Erased a lot of my music. I got I lost a lot of my music when um my my laptop got the virus. I know, right? And I really need to find her. I'm gonna have to find her on Amazon or something. I'm gonna have to purchase some music because the download stuff ain't really working for me too much lately. So, but that song I really need. Anyhow, yeah. um, I think I got a little little pump me up here. Uh-huh. Okay, um. We will see you guys tomorrow at 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Selena Johnson, come on now. They don't act like y'all ain't never heard of her. Celebrity, artist, singer, songwriter, stop it. And she's from Chicago. Get on out of here. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) see y'all tomorrow. Good night. Coming up at you like Ralph K and since this ain't no honeymoon.